la 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 Boots and cats and boots and cats and and boots. (laughs) Wonderful vocal warm up. Welcome back. Absolutely. I mean, we got to start off season two, right? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Season two. This is the first time we're saying it. Mm -hmm. Guess who's back? Back again. Boozicals. We don't say our podcast name enough. That was some feedback we we got on season one. (laughs) So, hey, listeners, uh, we're back. Uh, We took a break for a while because we were tired. Um, I think one of our like social media comments where you, when I posted about our season finale, they were like, what episode 50 is a season finale. And I was like, ha ha ha. We don't know, you know, how to uh, restrain ourselves, constrain, restrain. Okay. Here's my thing. When I tell people like, oh yeah, we got to episode 50. So like, that's the end of our first season. Oh, also technically it's 56 episodes in season one with the different specials. And they're just like, Oh, like that's so many episodes for a first season. Blah blah. I'm like, are you running the show? Are you running the podcast? This this attitude so. is exactly the attitude we need for this season. <laughs> like, like, don't get me wrong. I understand that this is like on TV. That would be way too many episodes. But guess what? It's not TV. Also, I don't think so. I was correct. I was. I think fifty is a good round number. I, I think I was really. We did a fifty-six. I think I was really upset with the season one of Abbott Elementary not being a thousand episodes, but season correct. two I believe is like 23, 24 episodes, like a, like be. a full full. It's always season. weird when they come in like halfway through the cycle. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're back. Did did you did you did you miss this? Did you miss me, Raven? We I definitely don't did. see each other as much without it like when we're on weird. break. It yeah. definitely felt weird. Like, wait, how is Campbell doing? Well, I knew you were dying, but yeah, happens. Yeah. It does. It does indeed happen. Because like, uh, isn't it once after you like after age twenty five, don't like the rate of cells growing in your body um, shift Correct. from like the is the, the, age. the where your cells die faster than they're like grown back so that's that's when we actually start dying correct and let me tell you i feel it already because i'm oh, yeah. 25 and i swear to god three oh, days later i slept baby. wrong and had a crick in my neck for the whole weekend and i was very upset. do you get hung over now uh i haven't drank enough since uh so far no like I we're going to test before. that tonight <laughs> Oh, we have fun. We do have fun. Okay. So, yeah, so. new season, uh, same new season. us, new Thank musicals, well, new guests. Uh, new year, new me, Campbell. Uh, you're the, <laughs> you're, you're the same bitch you always were. I always knew you were. Uh, uh. Um, but that brings us to our first new segment. Um, instead of talking about what music we've been listening to recently, because Raven only says Ed Sheeran and Hamilton, Hamilton. <laughs> we decided to be a little more educational with it. So instead, we're going to pick a specific musical term, and it should relate to, you know, the musical we're doing, and we're just going to describe it. However, the we're going to take turns describing it. Right before we do it, we're going to take a shot, though. Um, so we're going to come up with... We don't have a name for this, so we're just going to always be spitballing. So this week, this segment's called um shoot the musician messenger. I shots. It's just called shots. 
Shots. Shot. Like it. Shot point. Shot, 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 yeah. shot, shots. Everybody. Crushed it. That couldn't it's have gone better. It's relevant. Um, so let me take this shot of, and I've decided to just be, make it easy for myself to not get out a separate liquor than what we're drinking tonight. Swipe. So I will not Swipe. be, so I will now be taking a shot of bourbon. Hey. To me. Cheers. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> so happy for you. <laughs> Took it like a champ. Well, so, it popped afterwards. So, my musical term is <laughs> tritones. Oh, love it! Yes, tritones. Perfect. There's a bunch of names for it. Oh my god! <laughs> Augmented fourth, diminished fifth. It's also called the devil's interval, but basically, it's the musical interval that is between a perfect fourth and perfect fifth, and it's used to create like dissonance in your music for example i have my handy melodica here so i will play Ooh. you one he's not uh, busting out the melodica so this is this is that devil's interval Ooh, spooky <laughs> scary in between the fourth and the fifth and so in a lot of things people also use these intervals um to lead to like resolution in your music so if you had like one that's like this it would resolve this way doesn't that sound great oh that's also great tritones relates to our you set the bar i set the bar yeah i had had props match that next next there's still a little bit of the shot left so i'm gonna take it oh look at you power integrity (laughs) ladies and gentlemen integrity he could have left that he could have left that eighth of a eighth of a shot in the shot glass he chose no, to take it like a i'm a professional so yeah <laughs> oh god tritones it, it it's bad tritones <laughs> uh are featured very much in the musical we're doing today which is west side, west side story. story so this is actually kind of like a re-recording yeah, so today we're going to be talking specifically about the 2021 version of West Side mm-hmm. Story, uh, which, Spielberg's. fun fact, casts actual people that identify as Puerto Rican. Amazing. Yeah. Um, alternatively, or the I think Rachel Zegler is Colombian. Oh, interesting. I did not yeah. know that. Um, uh, the alternative to that was the 1961 version, which we, fun fact, did originally record back during season one. It was going throughout episode 10, and we were like, hey, this is kind of racist as hell. Um, and we were like, maybe let's not put this energy out into the world. And so... Full, thought, fully understanding, you know, it's a product of its time and, like, the merits and the people, like, and the hard work that was put into it. But we are like, on the correct. fence about it. And we are like, what else could we do? And instead, we did, like, a quick little update episode, and now we have our happy hour specials. So And see, here's the thing. Um, yes, it's a product of its time, but where they lost me was when they used brown face on the actual Latina... Uh, to make her darker skinned. Yeah. That's that's where they lost me. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was so uh, what they say the in the biz version. is called a major bummer. <laughs> Technical term. Yep. Technical term. Uh, so today we're doing the better version. And Campbell, now that you've had a, a pre, a little a little appetizer. Uh, <laughs> that's, but, a good, that's a good way to put it, Raven. <laughs> uh, do, do tell our listeners what delicious cocktail we shall be imbibing on this fine eve. Okay, so listeners, we are. I'm feeling it. I should have eaten more today. Um, fuck. I had a half rack of ribs. But anyway, 
So we are drinking a Romeo and Julep. So it's a variation of a mint julep. So we have our mint. We have sugar, simple syrup kind of deal, bourbon. And then it's we muddle that together, shake it, put it in glass over ice. Traditionally, crushed ice is used for mint juleps, but I don't got that. So I have fun ice cubes. And then we're topping it with Prosecco. But the syrup we're doing this time is a strawberry rose simple syrup. Which I'm so excited to taste. I'm really excited. Yeah, it smells so, so, so good. And I really like the bourbon I got with it. It was this like really good like bullet bourbon that like I don't know. Mm, nice. I'm just a bullet fan of. I saw is making pre bottled uh, cocktails. Like you can get a bottle of like a Manhattan or a bottle of like an old fashioned. Oh, that's really fun. And I also there's like fresh mint growing outside my apartment building, so oh, I, I, I plucked that. Amazing. Um, I am cheers. using Knob Creek bourbon. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. To us. Your glass is so fancy. Oh, thanks. It was free. Ooh. Oh, that's these. Oh, this is good. I was worried. So the actual recipe calls. And it's not super alcoholic. Damn it, Raven. It's really not. Um, the the recipe we were using calls for rose water in the simple syrup. Um, I was able to find rose water. So I, uh, because I'm coming just out of a wedding where I was a bridesmaid, and the mother of the mothers of the groom and bride, um half let me half made me uh take home some of the decorations um so i have several roses in my house right now so i just steeped some of those that's so baller of you to like use like i was like oh i have this flower i'll put it in a cocktail that's sick as hell (laughs) i was very proud of myself i was like wow did you taste it yeah i can actually taste it like no yeah i'm pretty excited this is really good I think I can put more mint in mine, though. So I think I'll do that for the next one. But Yeah. So, West Side so, Story. West so, West Side Story. Story, it's a it's an kind of more modern-ish retelling of Romeo and Juliet, the, thus mm-hmm. the drink name. So, the Broadway show came out in 1957. So, it was conceived by Jerome Robbins. So, the music was by Leonard Bernstein and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. And the book was by uh, Arthur Lawrence, if you've heard of any of them. And then there was the 1961 film adaptation. So, only four years later, that was directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins. But this is the 2021 film we're talking about, uh, which was directed and co-produced by Steven Spielberg. Adapted from a screenplay by Tony Kushner. And I will say, I think this movie more closely follows the stage version more than being a remake of the 1961 movie. Yeah, and and to be completely honest, I don't think this version was ever intended to be specifically a remake of the 1961 version. Um, But of course, that's what everyone thinks. Of course, that's what everyone thinks. So you're wrong, you're dumb. For a lot of people, like... And not necessarily by any fault of their own, but for a lot of people, 1961 version was the only exposure that they had to West Side yeah. Story. Yeah, oh, no, no, for sure. Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, I, I do think that, I think simply as an adaptation of the story, I, I really like this film version better than the 1961 version overall. But I think also, even if we're just looking at Romeo and Juliet, I think this is a very good telling of just the story of Romeo and Juliet. I you know guess. I, I, I do think 
there's a lot of aspects I think is a better retelling of this story than the 1961 version. But I think overall, what I really love about this musical is just like the music. And as far as like everything else goes, like there's definitely like, you know, great moments and stuff like that. But I don't know. Eh, I'm, it's fine. Yeah. It takes place in New York in 1957. Yes. 1957, New York about different, you know, race relations between these rival gangs in yeah. New York. And yeah. So I guess um, we can go ahead and do that comparison just like real brief, quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Maria and Tony are obviously Romeo and Juliet. Um, effectively, the Jets are the Cap- uh, Montagues and the Sharks are the Capulets. Um, and so we, we start off with, like, the prologue, right? Which, something that's way better than the 1961 version of this movie, the prologue, they're seeing, it was like, seen, it was like six or seven minutes of just, like, the backdrop and music mm-hmm. and it took yes. forever so my first note i wrote prologue is this going to take forever it didn't it didn't and i like um, that i like that even I though like this is that. a two hour 35 minute movie give or take yeah but see the thing that i like about this so so they they start with that sort of same iconic whistling tune um mm-hmm. and and i agree like the, it cuts directly tritones of plenty Tritones of Plenty, um, and it cuts to them sort of panning over. We see like the rubble of the slums, and we see like the uh, called the Lincoln Center. Um, oh, which I've performed at. Really interesting. Yeah, um, so I've talked about it on the podcast. Oh, you have actually. Yeah, you just—it's okay. You don't care about my life. It's fine. We'll move. Well, on. no, I just don't. Know yep, the no, names it's of, fine. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> I do think the shots are very interesting. How they do this, and they and like in this movie, they have these different camera angles that I don't know. We don't, we aren't film acting people, but whatever the shot is, where it's kind of shot from somewhat below at an angle that makes everything mm-hmm. else look more expansive. They do uh, that yeah. a lot here and throughout the movie, and I like that. I like that shot. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I also like the fact that the Jets are, at first I wrote that they are slightly less obnoxiously jazzy, um, and then I wrote, never mind. Which, Um, but like, (laughs) no, no, but they still are less jazzy, less dancey, and I miss that. There's a lot of different scenes, scenes from the 1961 version, which is just strictly, let me show you my ballet prowess, which I'm like, oh damn. Yeah. You all can do the thing very well not saying like they aren't dancing well because they are the dancing and this is great but that's what i've come to expect from west side story just like that kind of dancing i expect from cats like see i feel like we still get that dancing it just we don't get it until the gym scene um which I, my, my thing is, and it's always been, that I just feel like the prologue is an inappropriate placement for it. Because it simply doesn't, oh, yeah. it simply doesn't make sense to me. Like, cool, you're amazing dancers, we get it. But also, why are you, like, plieing over to your enemies? Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I think it's the kind of thing, though, that, like, initially they establish through dance, that is how we see their emotions their expressions what they're thinking and then if that's established in the beginning we're already used to it like see i guess um 
The reason I feel that way, because I think that the prologue is more suited to, I, I prefer this version of dance in the prologue, because you still get, you still see that their style is different, right? Yeah. They still have a very clear, different style of movement. And I actually really like in this version how the actors that play the Jets are because they're not doing as many of those big and bold dance moves at least this early um you still notice like the way they hold themselves and the way they move like that is still very dance like um but to me like that is still being built um like like it it not having that all out here allows the tension to start off low and continue to build until you get to the dance scene and that's where you literally see both groups facing off in a single room and you see their dance styles directly compared against each other uh, one more like latin mm-hmm. and salsa and all of and cha-cha and one more ballet and like western uh, not western mm. but uh, european european and i i prefer that the first time that we see that is in that head-to-head i i agree yeah i agree with that yeah. you convince me consider uh. me convinced tickled me convinced you know the saying. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so then we see as they're as they're moving around, we see that they cross into the uh, sort the of Latino, yeah, the Latino side of town, um, and just begin stealing shit. Um, and it's stealing like, you know, shit. Accurate. Um, committing hate crimes, covering yeah, up like, oh, cool, murals, desecrating flags. You know, fun stuff. Yes, uh, and then the sharks sort of swoop in and say like, "Hey." Uh, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here! Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing. So then at this thing. point, I like. I think it's related to what you were saying about like the dancing and things of that nature. When th- uh, that conflict, I was like, oh, so they're fighting, fighting in this movie. Yeah. Oh, there was some brutality mm-hmm. in this movie. Brutality. Um, I the the one thing that I do think is really really funny though when uh the sharks show up and they're chasing all the jets out and they're like running mm-hmm. and scattering and we see that one jet um it might be anybody's i'm not entirely sure um but we see one of the jets is kind of hopping over the fence and all of the like a few of the I sharks think, like, swarm to them i think that's baby john oh uh, yeah i think you're correct um and all of the sharks swarm to him um and start pulling him down and they let him down so gently on the ground like he starts to fall and they catch him they catch him and then and they take him to claire's him to the ground and then just they take him to claire's pickpocketing him like, they put so they pierce his ear with a nail uh and something i something i do really like is how the the woodwinds um and the percussion Ugh. is Ugh. are really really chaotic um and it's like they're really really frantic and it kind of shows that tension and do you um, know who i attribute that to who do you attribute it to? Gustavo Dudamel and the New, New York Philharmonic Symphony. New York Philharmonic, yeah. Yes. Although some parts um, were recorded by the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Okay, gotcha. But Gustavo yeah. Dudamel, which I know you're going to talk about later, but y'all mm-hmm. listen to Dan's on number two. Specifically, go on YouTube, type in Dan's on number two, Gustavo Dudamel. You're welcome. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It, I love that is- song so much. It, it is incredible. Um, and one of the things that I think is interesting here, um, we hear, and it's, it's part of this scene when they're starting to fight with each other, um, or as, as it's leading up to that, we hear some of the motif 
from Cool later on. Um, we hear Which that was the first song Bernstein and Sondheim wrote together. Yes, it was. Um, but, but interestingly enough, that specific uh, placement of the motif wasn't in the original West Side nope. Story uh, symphony. It was uh, added in by Johnny Green when he rearranged for the 1961 version. And then uh, David Newman, who we'll talk, we'll talk about the composers afterwards, but um, he carried that over and, and added that again to this version because he just thought it was really good. And I agree. I like it. Um, I like that it kind of ties in narratively. So, um, um, so during this prologue, we're, we, uh, we're seeing the conflict between the Sharks and the Jets. Yes. The Sharks being the Puerto Rican gang and the mm-hmm. Jets being... Uh, there's different nationalities uh, of this gang. There's, I believe they're Irish and Polish. There's, I think predominantly Irish and Polish. Which yes. makes sense given that um, Irish, Polish, and I think g- general, like various other Eastern uh, European groups. Um which makes sense given that at this time, um, at least of white immigrants, they would have been the most persecuted in this area. Yes, um, for yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. so with that, we, uh, I know we talk about like cast notes and stuff. I'm just going to briefly go through some yeah, of yeah. the other jets and sharks. And then when other of the more featured cast shows up, then I'll talk about, talk about them. But for the jets... We have uh, Annie Ball, played by David Alvarez Morales, uh, Brolio, played by Sebastian Sierra, uh, Chago, played by Ricardo Zayas, Chucho, played by Carlos E. Gonzalez, Flacco, played by Ricky Ubeda, Jochi, played by Andre Chiagas, Julito, played by Andrea Flete, Junior, played by Jacob Guzman, Manolo, played by Kelvin Delgado, Pipo, played by Carlos Sanchez Falu, Kike, played by Julius Ruberio. Seba's playing Yoel Echezerate, Tino played by David Guzman, and then for the Jets, we have Action playing Sean Harrison-Jones, A-Rab played by Jess Leproto, Baby John played by Patrick Higgins, Balkan played by Kyle Ellen, Big Deal played by John Michael Fiumara, Diesel played by Kevin Solak, Ice playing by Kyle Kaufman, Little Molly played by Daniel Patrick Russell, Mouthpiece by Ben Cook, Numbers by Harrison Call, Skink by Garrett Haw, Snowboy by Miles Ehrlich. And then there's, there are going to be some people I miss, but I'm going to try my best when they come up later to get them. So, yeah, so then the police police show up. So it's the Lieutenant and Officer Krupke, uh, and and a handful of other officers. Yeah, uh, the Officer Krupke is played by Brian Darcy James, who also played Shrek in Shrek the Musical. He's also in Evil, Smash, Spotlight, a bunch of things. Very talented. There's also but... another Shrek the Musical reference later. Oh, that's so much fun. <laughs> and then we have Corey Stoll, who is Lieutenant Shrunk. Shrank? Shrank. Shrunk. Shrank. 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 Honestly. Shrank. Who's in Billions, House of Cards, Ant-Man, Midnight in Paris. He's in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing I, I think about this interaction... Um, I appreciate how the movie sort of calls out the like casual racism against the Puerto Ricans. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially given, I guess, the legacy of the 1961 version, um, I, I guess in some ways people, like, people might think that this is a remake of the 1961 version because of how they've changed the way they address that. 
um, mm. and the fact that in this version they are much more overt about like, hey, this is not just like a fun version of comedy or a fun like uh, a new type of joke and uh, not new type of joke, but like like extra type of joke that we can tell. This is actually something that was like horrible, and uh, you can see it in like their behavior um, and just like the casual ways that they refer to each other um, and use slurs against each other, yeah. yeah, or specifically against the Puerto Rican people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as the uh, as the jets are leaving, um, they not they, but like Bernardo kind of stays behind. Um, yeah, and Bernardo, sings, kind of the leader of the sharks, and he is played by David Alvarez, who's been in a bunch of things. But back in two, he's one of the youngest people to win a Tony Award for a Best Actor. So in 2009, he won Tony's Award Best Actor in a Musical for his role as Billy in Billy at El- Billy Elliot the Musical. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, so then he sings a uh, a portion of La Borde La Borde in Kenya, uh, which is the Puerto Rican national anthem, um, and as like kind of as he's he's ending on that or like sings like a portion of it, um, and then. I think it's Chino or um, Chino or one of the other sharks um, kind of comes and get him and then they all leave. Um, and Officer Krupke and the Lieutenant kind of have like another small interaction with the Jets. Um, and we see like the Jets like kind of want to start a fight after this. Like they, they really want to uh, sort of have a one big brawl to settle it all, you know, between, mm-hmm. between them and the sharks. A rumble. Um, as it were. A rumble, yes. Yeah. So that's something to... about this movie. There wasn't really any of the aggressive snapping at each other. The snapping was very minimized. Uh, yeah, and I don't like that. Agree. You gotta have a full-on uh, jitterbug moment. Yeah. yeah. Jitterbug. <laughs> exactly. Um, so then we get into Jet Song. Um, I love the rhythmic car breaking that they work into the song. I love when mm-hmm. there's environmental sound. And uh, I forget what the musical term is for this, but I have to look it up afterwards. Um, but I love when they use environmental sound to fill in parts of the music. I think that's always great. Yeah, I think it's really fun. And in this Jet song, it's just very dissonant. Yes. Uh, they're jaywalking about jaywalking. J stands for Jets. And right before they mention, like for this rumble... That we hear about a former Jets member, Tony, yes. Yes. who we'll see later and talk about later. But uh, the main the main guy running the show here is Riff. Mm-hmm. Riff being played by uh, what's his name, Mike Faced, who's also been in Panic, but he had kind of had his like musical Broadway breakout role as Connor Murphy. For Dear Evan Hansen, which that his performance in that role was Tony nominated, and he actually won a Grammy and an Emmy for that performance. Um, that's really cool. Um, and so yeah, so I, I the thing I really like about, about the Jet song, I really like like the, like you said the dissonance, the discordant sort of harmonies and syncopation. The tritones. Yeah. It Cheers. Kinda, <laughs> Cheers. Drink. Um, we said it. We're gonna take a drink. Like there's something about this piece and the syncopation that feels like it shouldn't work but it does work so yeah. well and i feel like that is a hallmark of a lot of bernstein and even sondheim's work of rhythms and melodies that feel like they shouldn't work and i can only imagine the the amount of rehearsal and like conducting that this took to to get it clean and get it 
this good, you know? Yeah, because this is music. They're like, usually you have music, oh, this is what you can dance to. This is music that has only one way to dance to it, and it's very specific accented points, and you have to get them perfectly together or it looks weird. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I really love that underlying hi-hat rhythm that we so mm-hmm. so for anyone that doesn't know a hi-hat is like the one a uh, part of a drum set it's like one of the symbols and it gives you that it's like two symbols on top of each other with a pedal yes yes um okay so after the song riff goes on to see tony played by ansel elgort yeah tony anton the fault in our stars fame fault in the stars he was guessing that he was also in Baby Driver, Divergent. Mm-hmm. He's in, but been in a bunch of things. How? Who is was he was a Jets member who, from a previous Rumble, almost killed a kid, went to jail for a year, back yes. out, really trying to live a new life. But yes. Riff is just like, hey, Riff and Tony started the Jets, so yes. they were like, hey, when you're a Jet, you're a Jet for life. Yeah, and I. You're gonna join us, and Tony's like, I'm not trying to do that anymore. Yeah, and I I really like that this version um, expands Tony's motivations for one leaving gang life, but also in a way keeping himself. um, Like it expands his character motivations in general because one of the issues I've always had with Romeo and Juliet in general, but especially um, I I, I guess with the 1961 version of West Side Story. is that it always felt like his character was just kind of like there. <laughs> like yeah. he was just like, oh yeah, he's a previous Jeff. He's not Most of the anymore. characters, you know, minus Maria and Anita, just felt there in other previous versions of West Side Story. Yes, agreed. Um, but I like the fact that we actually have a backstory to him now, and it means more when he kills Bernardo now because we understand that backstory. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we get to So yeah, they're they're brothers, womb to tomb, worm to sperm, gross. <laughs> and we see that Tony is working at Docks like in nineteen sixty one. Yes. He's staying there. However, now, different from the nineteen sixty one, Doc is not in this. He died. And so <laughs> now his widowed like wife, Valentina, is played by Rita Moreno, played, oh played Anita in 1961 version, and I mean Rita Moreno, Carmen Sandiego, Teresa and Sesame Street, and the Electric Company, and Singing in the Rain. She, I think she was Zelda Zanders in there. She we love her job. so she much. Was it was just job. so good to see her. Something I think is really interesting about these scenes um, where Tony and Riff are talking. Where Tony is trying to be a better person and stuff like that. Riff says something along the lines. When he's confronted, he'd be like, wait, who is Riff as a person? What does he value? Stuff like that. And Riff says, who cares who I am? Yeah. Oh, all of Riff's character, everything about Riff's character, I... I I, love... This Riff is incredible. I liked Riff better than Tony in this version. Oh, Riff was way better than Tony in this. No disrespect to Tony or disrespect for Tony. I don't know. I've been drinking. (laughs) But Mike Face playing Riff, incredible. Yes. 
Yes. And similarly, similarly to Tony, they also expand his character motivations and you get more of his backstory. They do that with a lot of the characters, which I think different them. parts of the movie's more impactful. Because instead yes. of like, oh, someone we've mentioned once that does this major plot point later, you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's sad. Whatever. But now it's, okay, now they're a person. Yes. I'm a fan of when they make characters people. And so, so they, like, go go back upstairs, and Riff is, like, trying to steal. And Valentina's, like, not putting up with this shit. He's no, she's saying, like, I've known you almost six. your entire life. You always steal from me all of this stuff. Put him in his place. And really emphasizing how she believes Tony to be different. And Tony's like, no, they're, like, family, stuff like that. And just encouraging, just looking for better for yourself. Looking after yourself. Yeah kind of things and then we get into the song something something's coming yes and i i really like one until where it has a very nice singing voice he he delivers vocally in this version he does he performs very very well in my opinion um and i i think i prefer this arrangement isn't i don't think it's terribly different from at least the 1961 version i can't say much for mm -hmm. the stage version um but I like yeah, I very it's very nineteen fifty swing style old crooner kind of Sinatra esque type yeah. singing. Um and so we get through that, we see Maria um out on her fire. Played by Rachel Zegler, which this is, is her amazing. this is her like first like big role. And she crushes it. Oh my god. Um so she and Anita are getting ready for uh, a dance tonight. Anita Played by boo, 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 boo. Ariana DeBose, who has also been in the Hamilton Ensemble. She's been in Schmigadoon. She's been in Company. Her like Broadway debut was on Bring It On, the musical, which is... I We have to do it. Love it. We have to find it somewhere and we have to do it. She was also Donna Summer in Donna Summer in Summer. And she was uh, nominated for a Tony for a Best Feature Actress in a Musical. She also hosted the 2020, 20, 2022 75th Tony Awards. And she won an Academy Award for her role as Anita. Which yeah. I will say, out of all the roles in this movie, I know this is like somewhat of a remake. I think the most, the role that would be put to the most scrutiny would be Anita. I see that. I see and that. she killed it. Crushed it. I think Anita has probably one of the more difficult parts in this entire uh, musical, and mm -hmm. I, I, especially I, when the previous Anita is there. <laughs> yes, yes. Rita um, Moreno. And aside from just the talent of the actress, I really appreciate that they casted a darker-skinned actress, um, especially because they apparently wanted Anita to be darker-skinned in the previous version anyway. Although that was probably just racism. Um, but I really like the fact that we got to see not just actual uh, Latino, like Latino representation, but also light skin and dark skin representation. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then um, we also see so Anita and Maria are like they're super cute. Anita gives Maria her little red belt because she wanted very uh, you know very like Natalie Woods classic Maria dress in yes. the nineteen sixty one. West Side yeah, Story. and she thought it was a little too like virginal, which I thought was funny. Um, 
And we see that Bernardo is helping Chino kind of prepare mm-hmm. to meet Maria. He's super nervous because he's like, you know, trying to hook them up or trying to like match them together. Um, so he's just Played like, by you- Josh Andres Rivera. Yeah. And I like how they give Chino more of a backstory, make him more of a character. Chino's an actual character in this version. Yeah, so really like in like this, that. he uh, does adding machine repair. Bernardo is just, you are the smartest guy I know. Maria shouldn't be with guys like me. Should be with guys like you. Yeah. People with he thinks has like more a uh, different kind of future. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, Clink. Both of us are my bad. Yeah. Okay, so we get to the dance. One. Yes. First note. Golly, Anita can dance. Amazing. Golly. So talented. Also, this is like a point that's visually that's like very prevalent here mm-hmm. but the difference in colors oh i'm so glad you mentioned it go on, where the it. sharks they're more warm colors with like black and like you know reds and orange and stuff like that mm-hmm. black that not being a warm color but the opposite being the jets are the cool colors are the are the like blues there's blues, more people with teals. like greens teals mm-hmm. uh but also the more white yes is happening and i think this is the is a i think this is like the really the first time they're showing this like visual division Mm -hmm. um in clothing and lighting is at this dance that is school sponsored they may be in high school but they're not because they're older than high school so i don't know i mean greece happened but no no but they were supposed to be high schoolers yeah maria said in this that she's 18 yeah i don't I don't know how the New York City 1950s school system worked. Yeah. But here we are. Um, so there's we see that there's a lot of tension, um, obviously, between um, the white dancers and the Puerto Rican dancers. Uh, we see a fight uh, kind of breaks out at the beginning. Um, and the uh, authority, not authorities, but like, like uh, adult authorities. Like the Sponsors. Yes, thank you. Chaperones, whatever. Um, they come in, start like breaking stuff up, and then nice. one of one of the school uh, supervisors or chaperones is like, "Hey guys, I have a bright Does... idea. Um, in all of this uh, race based tension um, in the middle of nineteen sixties New York, why don't we do a mixed dance where we randomly wow. pair?" I will say, he does say this is a social experiment. Mm-hmm. So yes. not only he's like, hey, let's incite some things because we're being ignorant about, you know, the context of the area. But let me directly say onto you, mm-hmm. you're not so much as people, yep. but data. Correct. <laughs> um, Fun. So, Maria, Maria and Tony's eyes meet across the dance floor. Here's what I love musically about this bit. So, when Maria and Tony's eyes meet, um, one, first, we hear the motif or the theme, sort of, from mm-hmm. the Jets and Sharks earlier confrontation, which is... With that, Graciela had that sick roundhouse dance kick into yes. the dude's face. That was perfect. Uh, so we see, we hear musically. Paloma Garcia Lee. That's the yeah, meeting of the two sides. Um, but it's remixed. 
and it's a little less sinister and I would say more like adventurous more like a what's this you know what I mean as opposed mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm. new opportunities enemy. new experiences as opposed to opposition yes. yes and so the two of them go under the bleachers which I thought was a clever way of like in the 1961 version they just kind of uh, the rest of the world sort of just disappeared, but it was m- meant to be... Like, Which I think in its own respect is like a cool thing to do yes, um, visually. It was, but I, I like this clever version of like they actually are alone. Like they actually do have this intimate yeah. moment with each other. Um, and so we transitioned from it's Mambo great. into Cha-Cha meeting scene. And I really, really like this. Um, <sighs> you know how I love a good, love a good waltz indeed this arrangement i need everything like the woodwinds the string it's what we play primarily raven i when they were like the different parts and like sometimes the bassoons the oboes and violins would come in and it's very choreographed the music is it It just seemed it seemed like if i was in the orchestra pit again this would be the my favorite thing to play yes very purposeful very accented very Yes, and the thing that I specifically love about it at this point in this scene is that up until now with like the mambo and the rest of the dancing, you've had very heavy horns. So it's been a lot of trumpets, a lot of percussion too, um, a lot of that heavy A lot of euphonium baritone. Yeah, that driving rhythm that's getting you up and out of your seat and dancing. Mm -hmm. And then here, it's just like there's there's instant relief. It's light. You have the light. Exactly. It's exactly airy. Wrote. You have the it's, lightness of the It's woodlands. very fairy-like. Exactly. Like you have the the fairy Feywilds, woods. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes. This scene, both visually and musically, and also just plot-wise, is truly a meet-cute. Like, that's what the music oh, is. Oh, yeah. You know, this is meet-cute music, and I love that. And I think it is really important because I feel like that first in the 1961 version and even the stage version when they meet each other, it's just like no words are needed. I did appreciate yeah. that like words were needed with this with Maria saying, I'm not white. Yeah. You're not Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. What, what's your deal? What's, what's, it's not just like, oh, I see you for the first time. Instantly in love. Everything else falls back. All the context of everything and like the yeah. lives they've lived. But this, it was grounded in that. Yes. Which I think I thought was made for a better moment. It made and it feel like more realistic and made it seem more, you know, like drawing you in. Yes. The little kind of confined dance that they do. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like very intimate and I just really liked it. I, th- I think it says more than words in a lot of cases. Yes, but I do appreciate the words. I do appreciate the words. Very much <laughs> the words, <so>. big fan. <laughs> you can't say, hey, racism exists with a dance. Ah? Uh? Not with that attitude. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> oh, yikes. Twerking okay. solemnly. <laughs> Twerking solemnly. Oh, my God. Oh, speaking ever, of which. If we ever make merch, one of them has to be a t-shirt that says twerks solemnly. <laughs> okay. So Riff and, the cops, <laughs> Riff and the cops kind of break them up, um, and they all leave the dance. And then Riff meets up real quick with Bernardo to plan the rumble. 
Yes, um, the Rumpel. Yeah, so they plan out like what uh, what weapons they're allowed to have, where they're going to meet, stuff like that. They um, lay out the rules that none of them follow. That none of them follow. Because this is a like a Cold Spare War that is thawed. Very much so. And I want to talk about that when we get to the Rumble scene. I want to talk about how I think this mirrored musically. Um, oh, for sure. So, so we yeah, so like Tony. midnight at the rail yard, they're yeah. saying no knives. Mm. Just like originally the sharks were like just fists because, oh, something else. And Bernardo in this version is a boxer. He yes. has like a dream, a goal instead of like based in hate, which mm-hmm. I appreciated. I really appreciate it as well. And then, and then you know, we, we exit, Tony. we get into the song Maria, which the first, like, two notes are very, they're tritones. And yes. something that is, take a drink. Cheers. It's important here in these kinds of songs, what are you doing? Sorry, I keep getting mint leaves in my mouth. Take them out. But I like the flavor. Strain them out. Use it for the picture and that's it. Oh, true. You're, you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. And this is one of the examples. In Maria, they, like, start with these... They literally start with tritones. And by the end of the song and throughout the song, they resolve the dissonance. Showing that, you know, love conquers the discordance of the you know background of the characters and so after this any of the like love songs like that they don't use tritones because they're in love and that's more powerful they don't need to resolve anything it's already been resolved in maria which i think is just a really cool thing they do with the music i love the music in this um and then the only thing i'll say about maria he's literally just walking down the street hands in pockets and that bothers me like to me it's very visually boring because what i what we love about west side story is and i'll talk about when we get to cool is the range of emotion that's expressed solely through movement that is what i think that's that's the the first thought of west side story yes yes that's That's what i think of in the original version they didn't speak for 10 minutes you know it felt like an hour yeah exactly (laughs) and it was (laughs) I don't know. I just like not the biggest fan of West Side Story. Um, I know it's just like classic, whatever that means. But hey, I'm just a person who really likes, you know, things such as Cats Don't Dance and Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Fair. Fair. Which Raven gave a 10 out of 10. Tenacious D is a fantastic movie, and I stand by that. Um, <laughs> no notes. <laughs> no so, notes. No notes. Uh, so he finds he finds Maria's place. He ends at her place. Um, Bernardo and Anita, we see they come in. They very quickly go to the bedroom and shut To the, the boudoir. To the For boudoir. what? <laughs> <laughs> to their private chambers. To their um, quarters. Um, it's and then we it's get into... fun. Sex scenes. Yes. Um, I, I just really like Bernardo oh, this relationship. So, something so then, else I want to say about this version of Maria, though, um, mm-hmm. not to distract, but I think the use of echoes was mm-hmm. really cool in this version. So I think that's, like, you know, very representative of him speaking to the Void and the Void speaking back to him. It's very, it, like, is definitely, like, more sound, more noise, but feels more isolated. Mm-hmm. So it's more his world. 
without input from other words people which i think like you know maybe go to your point with maria not having her own agency that you know his um what's the word affirmation um of you know speaking maria to the world is him hearing himself back yeah and I, I think it's a slightly different way to show his emotions in that scene because if we're comparing this directly to Romeo and Juliet, this is the scene where Romeo is, is making his way through the gardens to meet Juliet at her balcony, which is where Maria is on her fire escape when we come to her. And mm-hmm. if we're if we're comparing oh. that if we're comparing that musically, um, the <laughs> musical resolution. I'm just speaking through uh, the musical. Yeah, talk through it. Talk through it. Talk out. We'll workshop at this. It's not like anyone's going to hear this. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I was saying I was just speaking over whatever you were saying. Yeah, um, but the musical resolution of the tritones happens as Romeo is clambering out of the in this case proverbial thicket. Um, he spent his time lost in the woods, and now as Juliet as a vision is revealed to him, um, he becomes sure of his love for her, and that's what's happened musically. Um, and I think it's interesting that you bring up the echoes, because I think the use of echoes specifically is very uh, indicative of like being in an empty world, or being isolated yes. or lonely. And as he comes to the end of the song and he sees uh, Maria up on her fire escape, like, that falls away. And, like, his world is no longer empty and lonely and isolated because now it's filled with Maria. Which, whether or not that is a healthy level of love and infatuation to have for someone you've met less than 24 hours ago, that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. But it is nonetheless. (laughs) But it's the story that's being told. Exactly. So, Um, at first, so he's, you know finally meets maria she's like who's there I'm trying to like go away and it's very where far out there romeo but like the opposite and you know we see bernardo is distracted mm-hmm. but we get into this kind of like dialogue that tony's like hey can i see you tomorrow and it's like okay when tomorrow is like no no this is like i'm interested i'm like about this um there's obviously a connection let's pursue this so we get to the balcony scene parentheses tonight and Mm -hmm. let my first note for this song jesus christ rachel yes her voice it's just like she is insane insanely talented insane in the membrane it's just it's so her voice is so clear but also rich at the same time. She she is able to so seamlessly oscillate between conversational singing and operatic, which I yes. think very few people can do. It's like it's it's so smooth when she goes yeah. into like the more opera notes. And like and to an extent her, her performance reminded me a little bit of the actor who played um, Joanna. Uh, uh, oh, Greenfinch and Lennifer. Yes. Um, her performance, like, not quite as falsetto, but she hit some notes yes. um, throughout this musical. And her, her performance is just so perfect. So beautiful. It's so good. Yes. So they kiss. They plan to meet the next day at 2 p.m. Um, damn, damn, damn. Yeah. Professional damn. Those are notes <laughs> I've written down. Um, and so she gets in. She kind of just, like, passes out 
on top of her bed covers. And so then in the morning, she like rushes to try to look slept in. Like she gets into her pajamas, she puts her robes on, she like mussies up her hair um, and like messes up her bed and everything. And I'm just like, damn, bro, I feel that. I was Um, like, oh my God, that's me. (laughs) It me. Um, And so then she goes out and she, we see Bernardo and Anita who are talking about, uh, I mean, just, just in general, like, morning stuff, but also talking about, like, having kids and, and getting married and moving in the future, and we see how much they're in love. Um, and then we get into a conversation about Tony. Um, and this, Anton? Of course, Anton, yes. Um, and this becomes a really big fight between Bernardo and Maria. Um, and Anita is, is a little bit more on Maria's side in the sense, like, I... At this point, I do really do think Anita is, like, her character at this point is very much, hey, I'm empathetic and sympathetic to every person involved. Mm -hmm. Let's, we are people, there's some common ground, let's work with it. That's who I see Anita as before, spoiler, Bernardo's death. I agree, because uh, Anita, one, loves America. Um, and it's very bought into the idea of like, yeah, sure, racism is a thing, not denying that there are racist people, we face racism here, cool. But also like, this is still a land of opportunity, this is still like, we came here because we wanted you to have the freedom to live your life and be happy. Um, and at the end of the day- So I'm gonna live my life and be happy. I'm gonna live my life and be happy. And at the end of the day, I think- there's ways for us all to do that and i really like that and i think the moment that changes is when she confronts the jets later at doc's place um oh which is just well, the, yeah yeah it's we'll, i will get there it. um yes. so but yeah so like during this bernardo is just like no you're not going to be doing this you're not going to be doing this this is my house my roles and anita's just like she pays rent here yeah. what are you talking about and bernardo is just like no this is a family business stay out of it and then the boy fucked up. The and he was like, oh, so I'm up. not... Also, something I really love in this, there's just more Spanish <laughs> conversationally. Yeah, there's so much more Spanish. And then when they're talking about Tony, Maria's just like, marry him. I just danced with him once and you embarrassed me. I'm a person. I have my own agency and you won't let me have that. And I love She that. wants her own life. Yeah, um, and so, and then we go into transition to Scherzo, I think. Yeah, Scherzo. Yeah, um, and this is where I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, her voice. Just, and uh, Anita and Maria. Yeah. Both of them. Amazing. Um, and then we go from transition into America. Which we will take a halftime break. Yes, we will. Okay, be right back. Campbell, do you remember being back in like third grade and having like music class and learning to play the recorder and like hot cross buns? Fun fact. So, you know, I know a lot of wind instruments. I physically was Mm -hmm. not able to play the recorder. My teacher told me just to stand there at the concert. But yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. (laughs) That's so, that's so, that's so sad. It's okay. I can play the bassoon. I've gotten over it. I don't feel bad about it. That's fair, I suppose. Okay, well, we'll, we'll move on. Put a pin in that. Um, put, put a pin in that. Boop. Um, so, 
Unfortunately enough, uh, there are students all across the country that have never before had a general music education class and don't have the ability or the opportunity to access music education um, and get the chance to learn tons of different wind instruments um, or even just the recorder. And that's why we are partnering with Education Through Music, which is an organization that partners with low-income schools in New York City to provide students better access to music education. Also, 53% of New York City schools do not have a music teacher on faculty full-time. So Education Through Music also provides weekly music education by putting qualified music teachers into these schools. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons this is so important is because motivation for learning means motivation for staying in school. And a lot of the students that are able to be involved in these music programs report that they have uh, attended school when they otherwise would have skipped um, or like stayed in school when they otherwise like wouldn't have wanted to stay specifically because they were looking forward to music class or they were looking forward to ensemble um, and, and getting to learn uh, specifically about music. And you can support and learn more at p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. That's p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. Nailed out. Do you have an instrument that you've neglected and now it hates you? Do you have too much money and think, hey, this can go to a good place? Neither applies to me, but I want to talk to you about the Dodario Foundation. They believe in the transformative power of music and that mentoring and building communities through music can positively affect social change. 100% of every dollar raised goes directly to support efforts to get kids involved in community music programs, acquire and maintain instruments, provide college scholarships, and support new innovation in music education. You can learn more and donate at www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. That's www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. Hey there, listeners. Pop quiz. Who was your favorite teacher in school? Did it happen to be someone who inspired a movie? Did that movie later change the world? Because that's exactly what happened with Mr. Holland's opus, the story of the profound effect a dedicated music teacher had on generations of students. The composer for the film, Michael Kamen, later started the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation in 1996 as his commitment to the future of music education. Today, the foundation works with schools nationwide to audit their music education programs, supply quality instruments, train teachers on basic instrument repair, and even offer customized consulting to make sure the school's program fits their students' needs. The impact of this foundation now ensures that hundreds of thousands of kids across the country are granted access to learn and play music in school, keeping music education alive and well. If you're interested in supporting their mission, you can donate online, over the phone, or even while you shop Amazon or eBay. Visit mhopus.org slash donate to learn more. We're back, baby. Cheers! Cheers. I put an ounce and a half of the simple syrup in this one. And I like it. Um, America. America. Okay. The harmonies in this are so good, especially from Rosalia and Luz. Oh, there's more people I need to talk about. Yes. So, uh, by this point, there's been, like, a lot more people. For example, we have Annabettes, played by Iris Menes. They, them. And then we also, we have Tiger, uh, Julian Ilya, Charita, Tanara Celia Vasquez, 
Clary by Yasina Ayala, Conchi by Gabriela Soto, Kuka by Juliette Feliciana Ortiz, Ili by Jeanette Delgado, Issa by Mar- Maria Alexis Rodriguez, uh, Jacinta by Edgisa E. Rosa Perez, Luce by Ilda Mason, Monsi by Jennifer Florentino, Peely by Melody Marty, Rosalia by Anna Isabel, Dotty by Gabby Diaz, Terry by Isabella Ward, Dot by a. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Dot was earlier by Eloise Crop, and I already talked mm-hmm. about Graciela being Paloma Garcia Lee, and then Gussie as Lee and Etsy. Yeah. yeah. But especially in America, the female sharks are more shark. prevalent in yes. this. And I, I really like, um, I like the fact that, so in, uh, I don't know how it was Specifically Rosalia, Rosalia Luce and Anita and Bernardo. Those are like the four main people. Yeah. Um, and the thing I think is interesting about America as a piece, it's that it's one of the few story beats and songs in West Side Story in general that does not have a direct correlant to Romeo and Juliet. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I really like specifically, like I believe the stage version of West Side Story and the 1961 version had this taking place on like a rooftop and it was pretty much just the uh the men sharks versus their corresponding girls you know what i mean um but what i like about this version and how they've incorporated film as a medium um to this film adaptation is they're moving throughout this neighborhood they're moving throughout this entire section of new york city yes that the um that the hispanic and latino population thrives in um and it lends so much more context i think in an environment um to the sharks um because you see that they're actually talking about their community as a whole and how their community is functioning in this new country well they yeah and i really like how this is the sharks version of this and then there's that kind of meaning for the jets as well in g officer krepke That's, like, talking about, like, their community, their history, their stuff, but this Mm -hmm. is the world they're living in. I just think it's a a, a really cool way to juxtapose those two different identities in music. Yeah. 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 Um, So this song is very much just, like, this is what we can do in America, and then the shark men are just like, well, it comes at a cost, there's always a fee, Yes. However, this is how they're going to put you down. It's like, okay, but we're still going to hope and dream yeah. about it. And I will say, this song, we played this in high school. This is the kind of song that will never leave your head. Mm. Mm-hmm. These, yes. these Cordino triplets are fucking me up. There's a point, too, where Anita belts directly Ugh. in Bernardo's face. I'm just like, yes, girl, fuck it Hell up. Hell yeah. <laughs> fuck it up, fuck it up. voice is amazing. So um, good. And I loved so at the point where they're... See, this is an added point. I'm glad they're like doing it like not just on a rooftop, but yes. they're incorporating people in like their community and like the the point where like the kids are dancing with them. And I love that. I just I really liked it. I just I really, really liked that. it. Yeah, very, very amazingly well done scene. Um, that's not how English works, but I said it anyway. So then now we move, uh, we're back at Doc's. We see that Tony is kind of having a chat with Valentina. Um, Spanish lesson. My primary two notes for the scene 
Rita Moreno is a national fucking treasure. Oh my god. The way she The he got she got. The way she looks at him, and it's just like, uh, so he asks her, Tony asks her, like, how do I tell her I want to be with you for the rest of my life? And she's like, you don't want to start with a date at the soda shop? You don't want to start with oh, you dinner get a and a coffee? movie? <laughs> like, you don't want to get a coffee love first? It. Like, love I it. Love, love it. it. It's very Elsa, you can't marry a guy you just met. Yes. yes. Just be like, come on. But like, but that grandma energy, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so she teaches him that that translates to quiero estar contigo para siempre. Um, and so he's like practicing that. And it's like, ugh, you know that this is going to be a super cute moment. But also she's right, though. What do you mean? You Slow your roll. The rest of your life. Like, and that's like, because this entire musical takes place less than 48 hours. We, all of Romeo and Juliet took place in less than 48 hours and it's wild so then tony with this knowledge in hand takes maria on a date and he says on the on on the way there she's strictly a she's strictly about business like there's a fight tonight i know you know about it we need to get like we this can't happen and he was like, no, it's really hard for my friends and stuff like that. And she's like, do you think it's easier for us? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So then he's like, oh, my God. He says something about his voice. He's like, oh, like, they wouldn't get into trouble. They're like. So, one, you're lying because yes. whatever. But, two, the point that he does make that is just like, oh, no, they have had terrible lives. That is true. Yes. But that doesn't diminish anyone else's lives that he's not willing to reconcile. Yes. And that's the disconnect that, like, you know, ultimately leads to their tragedy. And that's the thing. Um, and so, like, we, we're transitioning into Geoff's Cupkey. We see all of the Jets being, like, booked quote-unquote um and they're all which i loved i loved that it was in the police station as opposed to like on the the street yes yeah it it made a lot of sense contextually and i really like this song yes because i think it does a good job of showing especially the jets hypocrisy but Mm -hmm. also uh humanizing them because they you know talk about their own strife their own issues that they come with that's like explaining what they do and they're like no we have good inside but by the end of it they're just like oh we're no good so i was like okay so you're just you know agreeing with the people in power that are putting you down kind of situation but it's also just a fun song (laughs) it's very campy and slapstick and it's just like they do such a good job like the the thing i i I think really... Great instrumentation. Great instrumentation. I don't know if it necessarily makes West Side Story as a as a play, as a musical, but something that always adds to the value of West Side Story is how is this... fucking hard the Jets go in G Officer Cupkey. Like, like, this is a, a they They commit to the bit. For this course, yeah. And my, my <laughs> primary note from this scene... I want to see this exact cast as the Newsies. I need it. Some of them were the Newsies, though. I need it in my life. Some of, some some of, them, of them were, yeah. yeah. But, but like, it's it's very much that same energy. Um, also, just, like, neither of us are, are film majors or film directors or anything like that. Speak but... for yourself. I say as <laughs> okay. getting my doctorate in environmental engineering, environmental not engineering. a musical thing. <laughs> I also really like 
when they're singing and they're dancing, they like acknowledge that they sang and or dance because they're just like so out of breath. I was like, oh, yes. finally, realistic. There's finally. no, <laughs> there's no, finally, it's happened. Oh, love that. That's a good song. That is a very uh, good song. It's a good song. I heard it on the radio the other day and I've just like been like jamming to it. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I just really appreciate They're like, yeah, they're d- working hard with this. And like in character, they're also working hard at this. I know it's like, you know, assessment and relief. Uh, believe yeah. like musical stuff reality and musical stuff like that but i'm like oh thank god they do look sweaty you know <laughs> right yeah yeah um so then we kind of cut back um we see that tony sort of explains his whole deal classic classic first date i almost killed trauma someone. dump which like honestly i've been on many a first date mm-hmm. and if someone told me they're like, yeah, I almost kill, killed a guy in the fight, that wouldn't even rank in the top five worst dates I've ever had. <laughs> Concern? <laughs> because Men me, are trash. See, it's funny that you say that because for me, I've gotten lucky I very with much, this, this guy, from this entire movie, I'm with. And not this entire movie, but specifically from the entirety of Tony Maria's reactions. Like I said, I did not think they had good chemistry in this. Other than their introduction. Other than their introduction, their meet cute. I fully got Twilight vibes, specifically. Which the scene I watched the I watched for the first time. Specifically, the scene where Edward is just ago. like, "I'm a murderer," and Bella's like, "I trust you," and it's just like, "Girl, why?" Like, <laughs> that is the first thing he has told you about himself. Why do you trust him? Like, yeah, yeah. But like that's... on the dance floor, that's when the magic happens, baby. Fair. Um, also, <laughs> okay, so in this scene now they're alone in a church, which I like the fact that this time this scene takes place in an actual church. Yes. Um, and it's it's much, it, in general, it's much As this heavier. is a good Christian podcast. <laughs> Praise um, be him. And, and they, they're kneeling like they're about to get married because they're both, you know, she's uh, Spanish Catholic, he's Irish Catholic. Um, I was just he's not a Irish. Catholic wedding. He's not? Oh, he's, he's Polish, isn't he? He's Polish. Yes, correct. He's Polish, still Catholic. As um, the Catholic here... <laughs> <laughs> As the Irish Catholic. As the Catholic here. But they have their own miniature Catholic wedding right here. And we get into the song One Hand, One Heart. And the point I really want to talk about with this song, uh, it's emphasized with the light coming through the stained glass, but they're both covered in the warm and cool colors that has been so divided in the dance scene mambo but i just think it's like the lighting is really great here because there are parts of it i think it's easily done because tony is so much taller than maria i was about to say tony and rachel and so at first it does look like when they're like you know kneeling at the like pew whatever the thing He's in the the altar. He's in orange, but she's in blue. So -hmm. it's kind of like the reverse, but while they're moving around and talking, both colors are on them, like that melding of those, like, two communities, these two ideas, those two beliefs are on both of them, kind of showing that, you know, they're not separate. 
they're not a separate yeah. piece whatever that book is called that had yeah. such gay overtones and Here's... this song does not have tritones again correct cheers because at this I point said it. they are fully resolved cheers resolved of their sins yes at this point they are fully resolved in their love for each other and they don't see it as a as a conflict between them anymore like that is resolved it's the rest of the world that needs to change to, to also, accommodate them i also love that she says when they're like getting serious and he says like i wouldn't be with you forever and they're like saying that wedding vows to each other yes. she's like don't laugh yeah and i'm she's like, like Hell Bitch, yeah. this is serious yeah yeah, so this is very like one love, very hymnal, yes. operatic. The lighting is really, level. really cool. And so we get to the point where Tony's like, you know what? I will try to talk to them. I'll try to end the fight. Yes. And then we see that Riff is like, you know what? I know the rules, but like, I don't trust them. Very Cold War mm-hmm. kind of conflict. Yes. Let's get going. This would have been around that time period historically. So they're kind of playing into that. Um, and so, so they're, they're getting just- guns. Yeah, and these these guys are like, stop fucking around, you kids. And they, like, hold a gum to Riff. And Riff's like, yeah. fucking do it. I have nothing to live for. I'm not yeah. a person. I'm a, I'm a result of people's abuse. Yes. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then once they have the guns, they're, like, going to, like, the docks. And they're just, like, playing with them because they're idiots. Yep. And I'm yep. like, okay, so now you're children again. Correct. And then we get into the song Cool. cool. Which is very interesting. Like we said before, it's Liam Burstein's and Stephen Sondheim's first song they wrote together. But also in every version of West Side Story, this is like, has been adapted in different ways. Mm-hmm. And the 1957 uh, stage production, Riff sings this to calm the Jets right before the rumble. In the 1961 movie, this is actually after, spoiler riff dies Mm -hmm. and it's a way for ice the new leader to say like hey we're done but let's feel how we feel and it they express that through ballet through dance their grief their emotions their hatred and in this way it's tony taking the gun and be like hey be cool you don't want to be about this I think this is this version is a detriment to what could have been because the 1961 version, how they expressed grief solely through dance, I thought was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I said earlier, Ansel Elgort did pretty well for I assume not having much dance experience, but he's immediately Dragon. upstaged. The second riff starts moving, not even like, not even like a. Full and I dance, love like, how Riff gives the posture, the demeanor of Randall from Recess, but then breaks <laughs> into ballet. You know what I'm talking yes. about? That yes. kind of like rat-like demeanor. Yeah. But executed eloquently. Yes, I agree with that. Because rats um, are survivors. So then we get into tonight, the quintet. I love this because, like, right before, like, everyone's preparing for what's going to happen. The Jets are getting weapons. The Sharks are getting weapons. The cops are meeting up and be like, hey, it's going down. I'm yelling timber. You better move. 
You better dance. Can I say something that's going to upset you? Please do. I don't like this. I think this is fun. And I like how the five characters the showing here are Tony, Maria, Sharks, Jess, and Jets, and Anita. Because I think that is very demonstrative of very different perspectives being taken place. And I think them overlaying those melodies and those different lyrics and things that are going on on top of each other is a quick way to quickly show storytelling and this like rising exposition. Would you agree or disagree? I disagree. And here's why. Because nothing about the plot is moving forward. It is only... It's a reminder. Things are only going to the conclusion we already know is is happening. But also, there's only... While there's five characters and five perspectives in theory, there's really only three things that are being communicated. The Jets and the Sharks are getting ready for the Rumble. Maria and Tony are disgustingly in love. And Anita is horny. Those are the only things we learn throughout this entire scene. But have you considered this is a really long movie and people need reminders that aren't you that have great memories? Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving um, on. <laughs> I, re I, I really like the quintet and I really like Anita just being like, you know what? I'm going to get some. And I'm going to yeah. say it in the church while we're praying. That's fun. I did love that. Okay, interesting. It seems like you didn't. Shut um, up. <laughs> but then. So next. We get to Let's the rumble. Let's get ready to Lady. rumble. Raven, that's so fucking funny. That's so funny. I'm really proud of you. I'm hilarious. Listeners, we didn't do that. I'm hilarious. I identify Ali Wong. Um, I think that's really fun. And what you just said. And we didn't say that when we recorded the 1961 West Side, uh, West Side Story episode in season one. And I'm really proud of you and like where you've come as a oh, podcaster. And I think this is like a really fun moment for you, even with like a bunch of your wrong opinions. Wow. <laughs> Rude. Also, I, I just said that. I just said that as a bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Your opinions aren't wrong. They're just yours. I love that Tony is like trying to be sweet and like trying, like he's like the sweet guy, like trying to be the diplomat, like trying to be like, hey guys. And Chino is coming here, and a big part of his character, he's like, he wants to be a jet, and they're like, no, you're better than us. Don't. Yes. Don't do Please this. Do not. Yes. Um, you know, societal pressure, bullying. They're in high school, maybe, but they're not. But they're not. They're definitely. They're they're, not. they're like you know adults. Uh, so we they're, get they're into non teenagers. Yeah. So then basically the rest of them are just like, nah, get out of here with your diplomatic bullshit. We're having a fight. So then we get into the... He was really story. trying, though, which I do really appreciate. I... He was just like, hey, we never talked before. Could he have said this? Could he have gone to their house before mm -hmm. the rumble where everyone yep. had weapons? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the words, and the words of Gia Gunn on Drag Race? Absolutely. <laughs> 
here's, season six. Here's my thing. The Wait, rumble. Do you need a tissue? As a, as a, no, my nose just itches. The rumble as a piece, like as an orchestral, uh, as a, as an oral, as a, as a, uh, as a piece of sound, is a symphonic and ASMR masterpiece. I think this so scene, too. Amazing. It's it's the equivalent of having different piles of sand cut Mm. with a knife at random times. It's so disconnected in the most perfect way. Mm. Right? So one of the things I love about this scene is that we have all of the different... um, discordant sounds like the chaos that we saw uh, from like the the cool fugue motif um and then a little bit in the prologue and just anytime the dressing sharks meet up all of that reaches ahead and we see finally like there's this moment of like when a simmer becomes a boil that's Ooh, the scene talk you about know? that boiling point talk about baby. that boil <laughs> Talk about that dew point. We are chemical engineers. <laughs> they start off with just Tony and Bernardo. And then as they fight back and forth, um, the, the tension begins to rise. And we see with Bernardo being involved. a boxer. And he's like, you know, putting yes. in the good, good work. But also weight classes exist, y'all. Yes. So <laughs> that's important. And, and the sheer drop in sound, like the sheer silence... After, Ugh. between I the love time silence and music. That Riff is stabbed and Bernardo is killed. The sheer, like the the acting, him like like Tony and Riff in that moment when he's dying. Riff Riff's face when he's like take it out. Oh I'm my like, god! That's like that's he's ready to die. That's sick as well. He was ready to die since the like he's day he was being, born. But 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 in this moment, he is seeing how his death will affect the people he cares about. He like he has been killed, and like what he says validates his life. Unfortunately, that's pretty and, cool. And that's the tipping point. Oh, so plot wise, Bernardo stab. There's knives goes after you know yeah. punch and punch with Tony stabs riff and then tony stabs bernardo in the heart and that's when the moment shifts yeah that's when everything tips over it's an all-out brawl and the sheer brutality in the scene i was not expecting yeah like, they don't dance like fight hung- they fight like, it fight feels this scene feels like the cornucopia scene in hunger games like well, see... also, like, there's a there's a bunch of the actors that are going to be in the new Hunger Games, so that's really funny Ooh, that you said that. interesting. Okay, so... Then, yeah, so people scatter. In a sudden, shift. Yeah. I love that they do this, because in the other versions, they do I Feel Pretty before Act 2. Mm-hmm. But I love how they do this, like, right after this devastating scene showing, yes. like... The complete unawareness and ignorance of yes. all the... Juliet, or, sorry, Maria is still in her own world right now. And to me, this placement of I Feel Pretty makes the story as a whole even more tragic. And Romeo and Juliet is meant yeah. to be a romantic tragedy. And in this moment, like, one, 
She fucking owns this song. Rachel Zegler crushes this okay, song. this song is so good. Like, and she Kill. does such a great job of Kills characterizing, uh, you know, Maria and being like, "Oh, you, you don't know my community doesn't know what I am like as myself, yeah. but I'm in a position where I like truly love myself and like have like awesome things going for me. So this is like, you know, who I am, and this is like, I'm just like vibing, and this yeah. is." your support of that and i really like that and this entire scene <coughs> is brilliant and colorful and vibrant and i and we get so much energy from rachel and yeah Maria. like i love it and to me having i feel pretty here when in theory she should have everything that she wants yeah. and she doesn't know yet that it's been taken matter. away from her makes the story holistically more tragic and i yes i, love I, that I really like because it. it's meant and to be like attention. they're really like this is the craziest girl on the block and it's just really fun the uh choreography with it and that they're doing it in the place that they're cleaning it seems yeah way more interactive and i really yes. like it i really because like there's it. also this set has a lot more space than the 1961 yes. one did um, and I like this setting a lot more. Um, so then we move on to the next scene. Chino tells her the news. Yeah, Chino, she's like, sees Chino's like, wait, what's and the what the so fuck sad. is going on? And he, yeah. he's like, hey, Tony killed your brother. Yeah. And also, um, Chino took the gun from the crime scene. Yes, he did. And um, then we so get to is, the scene. And in this case, literally a Chekhov's gun. Yes. Oh, yeah. good, good on you, Raven. Good on you. Thank you. And we get to the part where then Anita has to go to the morgue and be like, yo, is this him? And it is. I I cannot even imagine how difficult, traumatizing, horrible that must be Mm -hmm. to have to do that with someone you love. Um, And then Tony comes to Maria's room. And this performance, I I like this so much better than uh, Nina would. Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. She did a great job in the 1961 version, but something about this scene... Well, they're, they're better characters in this version. Agreed. Uh, but something about this scene and the way she responds to him and the way she's acting against him when he first comes in, it's just like, I literally cried. It made me cry. So then we get into somewhere. And what well, did this because, version like, do? Yeah, it's like fucked up what did this version do campbell that I okay so they they do much. something different instead of tony singing this to anita and to maria being like okay yeah i did this bad thing but like this is still what we could have it's valentina being like what the fuck happened and then reference like look reflecting back on her experiences with doc and like the troubles they had to go through and this being not projected but simultaneously felt by the other characters going on right now um in somewhat a different way but still being like hey these are the struggles we went through hopefully we went through this so y'all don't have to but you're still going through this but this is just you know me telling my story as Rita Moreno and and what I love about this is that because of who is singing it it takes on a totally different tone yeah because to me 
her singing this song makes it more foreshadowing because you see that they want this place. They want this idyllic place where they can be together and nothing matters and and it's just their love for each other that matters. But realistically, we've already seen a relationship, one, where the man They give you the snaps that were lacking in this musical. Yeah, and, and to me, in this version, Somewhere is more of a woeful song of like, this is the I- ideal we would love. This is our utopia. This is what we want for our love to thrive. And yet that place does not exist and can never exist. At least in the, in the reality in which we currently live. Incredible. Yeah. Raven, you did a really good job explaining that. Thank you. And so, and this song is about, you know, forgiveness and things like that. So, which is really interesting. Someone who was able to express that forgiveness being compared to people in the process of conflicting emotions and Mm -hmm. could I forgive? I don't know. I just think it's really cool that the way they did it with this. I really like Valentina's character. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Uh, Anita comes home. A boy like that slash I have a... I see yeah, because so, this is so the moment specifically Anita comes home. We see Anita's and is grief. trying to talk to she's trying to talk to Maria and she walks in on Tony climbing out of Maria's yeah. window. And so in her grief she's just like, You have to be How with your kind. You? I'm yeah. gonna slap you in the face. But like that's not the Anita we know from Act One. Anita from Act One is very much like live your life, you're you are your own person. But this is as like as a consequence of like those decisions so she is not thinking as anita she is grieving right now yeah and i think it's interesting to think of the human feelings uh the human interaction here of like a woman who has just lost her lover boyfriend future father of her children to violence and a woman whose lover has enacted violence against her brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And it's interesting seeing this dichotomy here of... A man that kills cannot Maria did... I don't know if if it's even right to say she hated Tony for a little bit for what he did. Like, she was angry at him for what he did. But I think, at the very least, the message in the story is that that could not overcome her love for him you know and so at this point she's at a place where again 24 hours yes (laughs) and and that's a big big part of my issue with the story is like how the fuck does that trump your love for your brother but anyway i i i think i think here is that beforehand anita was like auxiliary is not the word i mean but very much like she had, she had the role or the ability to be like, oh, here are both sides. Bernardo is dead, the de facto leader of the Sharks. So now it's on Anita to uphold these systematic leadership roles. And she tries to do here because it just falls onto her as like more of like an elder here. And while she's expressing this to Maria, Maria is just like, this isn't you. You should know better. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So it's very much like in her grief, these expectations are thrust upon Anita. 
and this is like just like what she has to work with the only thing she has right now and then like through this exchange it eventually gets to a point where you're like okay i'm processing now i'm at a point i don't know i will never be able to forgive him but i love you and that's the best we're going to arrive at your move yeah and here i think maria displays incredible maturity here um in terms of the way she speaks of her love for tony and the decision she's made in terms of being with him like anita is straight up like hey you can't stay here like people will like he he has blood on his hands there is a mark and a value on his like a bounty on his head you cannot stay here and and you can tell that maria has already considered this she already understands this she's already like yes i have decided like for better or worse i have decided that i want to be with him for the rest of my life i have i have made in her mind i have made vows i am married to this man and i think it's interesting how we see almost that shift from girlhood into womanhood for her of like this is the decision i've made and i'm an adult now i'm a married woman and that's how we're going to play this out and to me i think that's one of the only redeeming qualities of this type of story because i think the whole love at first sight and infatuation is inherently shallow but this is what i mean when i say (laughs) i think the way their love is portrayed in this version gives it more depth beyond just oh it's love at first sight there's still the additional like okay but because of love at first sight this is still the commitment i've made and this is the uh, level of adulthood i'm currently in and i have to live up to that and i think she does yeah yeah so then they come to a point where it's just like hey love comes so strong there's no right or wrong your love is your life but he can't stay here and if you want to be with him you can't be here either because there's just no life for you here so do what you want to do and then she's like you need to and then we oh no no we cut to chino is looking for tony he has the gun and he's talking to the rest of the sharks and be like hey what the fuck did bernardo died for his pride and they're like yeah that's everything he was like no he's dead that's stupid and then we get back to Anita Maria and then Lieutenant Shank is, you know, interrogating them and Maria conveys to Anita, go to docks, give this message. I'm not going to be there tonight, but I'm still yes. coming kind of deal. And then we get to docks and it's the worst part of the movie. And I hate yep. seeing it and we hated it in the 1961 version and we hate it now. Like, of course, that the jets are grieving uh what's the name Uh, riff riff yeah and then but that is no reason to sexually assault someone and i do like how in this version that uh grisella is just and the other women is just like leave her the fuck alone i hate her leave her the fuck alone yeah um but it's hard to watch and i hate it so anyway, uh, then Valentina comes and saves the day. Only R- Rita Moreno knows how. And Anita says, like, hey, here's a message. Maria's not coming tonight because Chino shot her. After this interaction, dead. be like, you know what? This world, I do not want for her. This is fucked up. 
you know what? You're better off thinking she's dead than her to live this life. And it was my perspective, my take on it, as opposed to her just being, like, vengeful. Because, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I just don't think Anita would have lied solely out of revenge. I think there is still a component of um, love and respect and care for Maria. But and I think also there's different degree, perspectives of it. And I think also a degree of protection. Because yeah, I, I, yeah. That's yeah, the, like like in in a sense, she maybe. is actively working to protect Maria, knowing that if they think she's the dead, last of her family, them. yeah, yeah. Um, Which then we get into. I think. Uh, I mean, this is the point where Tony thinks Maria has died, and in this version, it's Valentina telling him. Valentina delivering it very good. I think. Tony's reception of it was good, but way more over the top than everything else in the movie. So it felt disjointed. It felt jarring. I see what you're saying. And I, to an extent, agree. I think but I thought it was really good. I, I liked his it. his very initial reaction was good. But then there's something about the transition where like when he looked back it just It just went too long. It just went too long. He goes crazy. Uh, he goes looking. He goes go crazy. Go stupid. <laughs> he goes out looking for Chino. He sees Maria, and it's like well, well no, right before he was like Chino, kill me because I cannot live yes. anymore. And so Chino comes out, sees Maria. Maria's like, oh, I'm here. I'm stuff. Whatever. And then I do think this is the point where I'm not that I'm glad. I think it was like really good for them to characterize Chino more. Yes. To be like, oh, no, you're the person that's supposed to get out of the sharks, not be a part of this, to the point where you did the ultimate crime that the worst of the sharks can do. That kind yes. of discrepancy, this kind of, like, comparison, it makes it more impactful, the action he takes. Yes, and I... I By also, killing, he shoots Tony. I also really like, and I, I honestly don't remember how the 1961 version did this, but I really like that... Tony sees Maria in the second before Chino kills him because in the original Romeo and Juliet like in this version Juliet didn't fake her death at all Anita just lied about the fact that she was dead but I like that they have it play the same narrative purpose of him learning that she's not actually dead in the moment that he is dying. And again, how we talked about the, the placement of I Feel Pretty in this version, of how that adds to how tragic the story is. It just adds to the tragedy of like, he realizes his mistake, he realizes that she is alive, and they could still have that happily ever after in the literal second before he dies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... People leave. Um, Valentina stays with Chino while the cops comes. And yeah, Maria we... goes hysterical with grief and threatens to kill everyone and herself, but then decides not to. Fiend. Yeah. That's it. That That's it. So, Jeez. laugh a minute, West Side Indeed. Story. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so, what you got for me, Raven? <laughs> okay. So, 
musical slash composer notes. My composer's corner, as we like to call it here. In season oh yeah, that's that's what we're calling it in season two. Com- uh, composer's Raven's composing corner. corner. Indeed. So music. There's a lot to talk about here. I'm gonna keep it brief. Original music was by Leonard Bernstein. Original lyrics were by Stephen Sondheim. Um, both of whom <gasps> we've talked about before on this podcast. Amazing composers and lyricists. Um, enough said. For this specific version uh, produced in 2021, uh, the composer was David Newman, who arranged and adapted the original score to this mm-hmm. specific film version. Um, and then the Which I really the, like this score to the point I where really I will pay money for it. Ooh. Especially um, the Waltz Under the Bleachers. Agreed. I loved that. It's so um, good. And the conductor was Gustavo Dudamel. Ugh, who fuck me the... up with Gustavo <laughs> Dudamel. He's <laughs> like my favorite conductor. So Ooh. Gustavo Dudamel. Uh, I'll play Dan's on number two right now, the clarinet solo. He conducted the New York Philharmonic during the film's recording sessions in 2019. Um, here is the other Shrek the Musical reference. Oh, hell yeah. Love um, Janine it. Janine Tesori, who did, uh, who was the musician, like she did the music for Shrek the Musical. Uh-huh. She was a vocal coach for this. Uh, for this oh, that's so much fun. I, really I fun. love that. Yes. I love that. I love that for her. Yes, and so now, um, so Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, David Newman, we've all talked about before. Um, for anyone who doesn't remember, Stephen Sondheim did Sweeney Todd, David Newman did Anastasia. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Episodes uh, one and three? Yes. Um, You're me. If I can learn to do it, you can learn to do it. I've been listening <laughs> to a lot of Anastasia music recently, and it's, just, it's really good. Um, and so Gustavo Dudamel. So he is Fuck a Venezuelan conductor, violinist, and music director. Um, he has he's a music director of the Simone Bolivar Symphony, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, and the Paris Opera. Just like fucking it up all the way. Um, he is also so he's the son of a trombonist and a vocal teacher. He's won a number of conducting competitions, which I yes. didn't know were a thing. I love Gustavo um, Dudamel. <laughs> like, I love him. Um, he's also, so he was named one of Time's most influential 100 people in 2010. Oh, um, wait. He was Do you also, know who else was? Um, who? Um, what's her name? What's her name? Uh, recently, do you know who else was one of Time's most 100 people? Ariana DeBose, who played Anita in this. That's so cool. Isn't that so cool? You said that, and then I said, isn't it? And that didn't add anything. (laughs) So, he was also uh, the 2011 Grammy Artist of the Year. Which, you know, obviously makes a lot of sense. He's also received he's also received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2019. Something also... I would I would like us to do, and you know how I love to take you out of your moment, out of your rhythm, out of your momentum. <laughs> Raven and I right now are going to listen to Dan's on number two, conducted by Gu- Gustavo Dudamel. And it's Fair. been sent okay. to you in chat. 
That was so good. And so, listeners, we're back, and Raven just saw me headbang to Gustavo due to metal conducting, and it was, was so, so good. fucking good that like I had chills. To the point, we're going to have a new segment. We're going to do different live streaming things where we react to, you know, things like this. And it was just so fucking good. So, Raven, you now know the excellence that is Gustavo Dudamel. How do you feel? I just... Amazing. That was incredible. I'm here for it. Oh, I interrupted you. Did you have any more music shit or question stuff? Oh, yes. I'm interested in your perspective on what makes a tragedy and how music can contribute to that like what about like like in your mind um how does this musical uh differ from others like how does the storytelling Mm -hmm. or the music or whatever the orchestration what is it that distinguishes it as a tragedy um, that is not just like a drama or a comedy mm-hmm. or like whatever like we've seen in musicals before? Um, and how does how can music kind of contribute to that? Well, for me, I see that musicals and the music elements of different like you know telling a story is seen as like additive or multiplicative. Uh, you know, shout out to Pimdas hey. to the point where. Like, something's going on, and then music is used to convey that. You're able to convey that message or feeling to the point far beyond if you're just telling it. But with that, I don't think necessarily the music alone would be able to convey, like, a tragedy. And that I think with West Side Story specifically, that the plot and the narrative and, like, what's going on it's 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 like own separate thing where it'd be like oh bad shit happens and then the music like makes you feel that more compared to music telling you oh it's bad what you feel right now because to the point like like musicals and stuff like the music can like tell you that it's like oh something's not right or like oh things are good right now or things are bad right now but to the point of a tragedy i think it's necessary to have those plot elements and like the things that like actually happen in the narrative to be like oh this definitively happens separate from the music and so this is how i feel with the music emphasizing that and that's how i feel about the question you just asked to me raven and now on to you but that's also with like a lot of bourbon in my system so who knows if i actually (laughs) think that because like we um, don't we don't go through a lot of tragedies and musicals. I feel like a lot of the musicals we do, yeah, sad things happen, but there's still like some sort of a resolution. And West Side Story, there's not much of a resolution. The only resolution is like resolving the tritones. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. And then we get to points like, yeah, love conquers all. But, like, despite love in this piece, people still die. People are still upset. The system is still broken. Shit's fucked up. But, like, it doesn't really resolve itself narratively. So music can only do so much in that respect. If you're like, this is the story I'm telling. 
interesting. I have a slightly different perspective. Um, Lay it on me. I think from a story perspective, what makes this a tragedy is that the emotion is not the music. I think the music I agree. actually tells a different story than yes. the than the story does. What I think makes it a tragedy is how intense the emotions are. Like something that I continued, uh, I, I couldn't help but but think about. I guess during the course of watching this musical is that like this is a dangerous level of love and infatuation to feel for a person and i think to an extent the musical itself is very clear about that like it doesn't seem to attempt to normalize oh this is just how people fall in love it's very much like this is out of the ordinary characters call that out and yes there's different reasons that they call that out like they all have their different motivations but at the end of the day like the demonstration specifically of love and infatuation that we see between Maria and Tony um, or Romeo and Juliet in general is one that is unhealthy and I think what makes it a tragedy oh, yes. is that they have in theory such a capacity for love um, and in theory, they reach the happily ever after that you would want to see from a couple that has gone through trials and tribulations, that has gotten to know each other, that has done all of those things. Um, and yet it's so early and their stars burning so bright that it becomes more of a tragic hero situation where their downfall is a direct result of what made them great in the first place. You know, I see that. Mm-hmm. Neat. So now, Raven and I will play for each other a certain song, which we played the first time we recorded for West Side Story, the 1961 version, and we Maria, and we believe this is the best we have ever sounded together. So we're gonna do that with. Raven on violin and myself on clarinet. Maria. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's like, it's so much fun. So this is, you know, first episode back. We aren't going to be sight reading. We have technically played this before, but like, you know what? We do what we want. It's our podcast. Correct the mundo. And on that, (laughs) be right back. Raven, I think yes. I got this. Ooh. So it's whenever you, because I know you've practiced this before. F sharp, C sharp, G sharp, and D sharp. Why did you do this to me? Okay. It's a very common key, Raven. B flat, E flat, A flat. B flat, E flat, A flat. Yes. Mm. The key of E flat, and then you okay. nailed it, and that's it. You got it? I I'm ready to try. Okay, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Okay. One, two, one, two, three, four. That happened. That happened. 
And Raven, what I would like to say about this is, yes, we ended together. Could you have been more expressive? Could you have held out those half notes and quarter notes and the the whole notes longer? Yes. But I followed you and we ended up together. No, 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 no. Raven, how this. I was going too long. Raven. I'm so bad at counting. You are so bad at counting. So, that was Maria. How'd you feel about Raven? I felt tepid. Oh. At best. Okay. I know. I know. Um, there were definitely some parts I could have improved on. But syncopation is hard for me because counting is hard. And I don't know why counting is hard for me because it's counting. But, like, I'm bad at it. And I, I, I'm not I bad on it. It's just that I don't think you have the tools and the practice and the discipline to continuously work at it. Oh, Campbell, that's so kind of you. You're such a good person. False. So anyway, that was Maria. In conclusion, though, how would you rate this version of West Side Story on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say... A solid 9 out of 10. Look, I think... Interesting. um, I think as far as adaptations of stage musicals to film goes, this is in the top of the ones that we've seen. Um, The things that bother me about this version and the story in general, why can't Maria have any fucking agency in her story? She does nothing. Also, I didn't feel that Rachel Zegler... And Anton Elgort, I thought had like no chemistry, and I thought this was even more evident. I and that gave it a nine. I thought this was even more evident. That seems lower scene. than a nine. Everything you're saying. But here's the thing, the story I like. Hmm. I think the talent, the artistry, in general, the performance of this version. Fantastic. I think as a movie, I would watch this over and over again. It's literally those three scenes. It is Maria, the balcony scene, and fucking one one hand, one one heart. 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 Those are the only three scenes that I don't like in this entire movie. And it's not even vocally. They're vocal performances. Again, I have no notes. They're flawless. It's just boring. Visually, and that's it. So that's why I give it. That's why I give it a nine because I still think it's very good. I just wish Ansel Elgort could dance. For me, honestly, I think I'd give it like a six or a seven out of ten because, like, yeah, musically it's incredible. The lack of dancing and the change of cool really took away from me because I love West Side Story solely for the fact that they're able to express such complex music through movement and that's something i'll never be able to achieve on my own but i was just like meh about it and not saying like the other movie was better than the this one because there's different parts i liked but and like rachel zegler i'm just like so in awe about like she's so incredible like oh my god but like overall with all that into account i think i'd give it a seven out of ten so it's interesting because I complained about it more but gave it a higher score. And you raved about it more but gave it a lower score. Yeah. Interesting. So I think that says more about you than me. Anyway, Raven. Inter- 
where could you find us? <laughs> That's the end of the episode, so. For the first time this season. You can find us in so many places. A litany of You can places. find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Podbean. You Oof. can find us on Pandora. Oof. You can find us on iHeart radio you can find us on google podcast you can find us on apple podcast anywhere that your heart desires to find podcasts you can find us we're there and i'll be there (laughs) and we hope that when you find us that you enjoy us first and foremost if you don't or if you do Leave a comment, like and subscribe. Like and uh, subscribe. Send us an email at boozical at gmail.com. Follow us on you Instagram. Can, you can rate Boozicals. us on Spotify you now. Rate, rate us five I'm stars. I'm getting there, Campbell. I'm trying oh, to help. I'm trying to help. I'm getting I'm trying to lessen there. the burden. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> there are some platforms that you're able to rate us and comment us on. If you have that ability then we hope that you rate us five stars. If you don't feel like you can rate us five stars, if there's anything about this listening experience that you don't enjoy, you know what you should do? You should let us know. How? Emailing us at boozicals at gmail.com or messaging us at boozicals. But also, in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at boozicals. And anywhere that your heart so desires. Raven, you did a really good job of that. Thank you. I know I did. And like, this is the first one back, so it like had to be important. All right. So at that, like, I bid you such a fondly adieu. Adieu. To you, uh, you, uh, you. <laughs> We're back, baby. Baby. Cue in the music. Fuck it up.